me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? Glad to have you back. We we glad you had some rest and relaxation. <laughs> uh, we had a good fill in. We had a good time last yes. week. But yeah, glad you're back. Thank you, sir. Shout out to Brittany yeah, uh, for holding it down and hosting. She's great. She's, great. Um, she's unfortunately a Wizards fan. That's very sad. <laughs> um, but you know, listen, it is what it is, right? Tell. I mean, Giannis said it in, in that uh, in that thing he was doing. I'm handsome. I'm rich. I can't be good at everything, right? right? right so I'm not, right, I'm not, like, I'm not right. a good jump shooter. Like, you know, <laughs> that's just sometimes you have your lot yeah. in life. Hers is she's a wizard fan. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Right. Um, uh, vacation was great. Thank you. Uh, enjoyed the lovely island of St. Martin. Um, recommend to those of you who can uh, spend some time away. It was just nice to be on the beach and enjoy. As I told David off air, got back and it was cold. I think it was partially snowing and like 40 something degrees, maybe high 30s. Yeah, but, you know, listen. That's why you go away to warm places in the winter to, right. to escape that for, right. for a little bit. But uh, happy to be back. Miss my True Hoop family. Of course, today is Monday. It is uh, Martin Luther King Day. Um, a you know one of the great men this country has ever produced. Someone who championed civil rights, of course, among many other things. Uh, and David, I know you wanted to share some thoughts. I have some as well. You want to go first? Or want me to? You can. I'll be quick. So. When I was a young coach, most of my players were from some pretty rough projects in St. Pete. I've talked about that before. And, and even though I was, I was kind of raised by a black woman and her family, uh, she, was, she worked for my family, but she was always at her house. I felt like I needed more um, of an of a instinctive feeling of what it was like for my players. So I spent a year, I was probably 25, I spent a year studying, uh, back then I called it African-American history. I would, I would say black history now, but I didn't back in 1989. And so I started with MLK and, and Malcolm X, and then I read a lot of uh, just great books written by black men and women for about a year. And um, I thought about this. I didn't say it on the air because we, uh, we just started doing our show, but um, when Doc Rivers talked about when George Floyd was murdered, uh, Doc Rivers said, uh, I don't know why they hate us. And he was so emotional. Mm-hmm. And so it took me back to that year I spent. And the way I always thought of Dr. Martin Luther King was the, his grace. And, that, and so to me, he is, he is the embodiment. He is the face of what grace looks like uh, in real world terms. This is a man who could have easily been fomenting a very violent uprising. And understandably so, historically speaking, it's always what's happened before. And instead, he took a different route. And it worked. It's amazing that it worked. And I'm not saying he solved all the problems we still have, but he got a, he got very important legislation passed. And he was the face of a movement that I think would not have succeeded were it not for his grace and the way it motivated others to do similar things in that vein. So he's always been the picture of grace from the face of grace when I think about it. And so it's an honorable day for him. Uh, for, without question, um, his daughter, Bernice King, uh, is a great tw- Twitter follow. So those of you out there, um, follow B.A. King, uh, Bernice A. King. She, she's wonderful. And she's always great because, you know, what? obviously she honors the legacy of her father and her mother, Coretta Scott King, of course, who was the architect of the King legacy. Um, so it's very important that we also don't forget about Coretta. Um, you know, Bernice does this thing because around this time, and she does it every year, and it's actually, I, I think she gets some enjoyment out of it, and I quite enjoy it as well. Politicians on the wrong side will often quote yeah. uh, her father and misquote it and only take out pieces. And, you know, she'll quick to be like, oh, well, why don't you read that full quote in its context um, and what he was actually talking about? And one of the things that 
society has done over time, and I've talked about it before on the show, they post pictures from the 1960s and civil rights eras in black and white to make it give you the analogy of, well, these things we're talking about were a long time yeah. ago. Um, they were not, Ooh. as David tells you, uh, his mother, his father, right, were alive. During, I was and too. His mother's still alive right yeah. now, as was yeah. he. These are, this isn't 400 years ago. No. This is recent history, okay? Like, you people in your family who were very much alive during all of this, okay? That's number one. Number two, um, you know, the the grandfatherization and the and the softening of MLK is something that's happened over time. And yes, of course, he believed in nonviolence. Ain't nothing soft about oh that, no okay <laughs> like, <laughs> ain't, ain't a thing soft about what he was about or the message he he was delivering and one of my favorite things and those of you everyone of course knows the I have a dream speech and, and and all those things and they're all wonderful and read them read letter from letter from Birmingham jail okay that is that is phenomenal um, read a lot of the work in King's later years will really tell you who he was as a person and this is one of my favorite quotes um, it was uh, on an, an NBC interview he did in. The in nineteen, in 19 uh, when I say sixty-seven, okay, and this is his question to being asked. You know, why is it so hard for the Negroes, which is what Black people were called mm -hmm. back then, to adjust in America when it was seemingly so easy for every other immigrant group? And this is uh, Martin Luther King's response: White America must see that no other ethnic group has been a slave on American soil. That is one thing that other Im immigrant groups haven't had to face. The other thing is that the color became a stigma. American society made the Negro's color a stigma. America freed slaves in 1863 through the Emancipation Proclamation of Abraham Lincoln, but gave the slaves no land and nothing in reality, and as a matter of fact, to get started on. At the same time, America was giving away millions of acres of land in the West and the Midwest, which meant that there was a willingness to give the white peasants from Europe an economic base, and yet it refused to give its black peasants from Africa, who came here involuntarily in chains and had worked free for 244 years, any kind of economic base. And so emancipation for the Negro was really freedom to hunger. It was freedom to the winds and the rains of heaven. It was freedom without food to eat or land to cultivate, and therefore was freedom and famine at the same time. And when white America tells the Negro to lift himself by his own bootstraps, they don't overlook the legacy of slave. They, over they overlook the legacy of slavery and segregation. I believe we ought to do all we can and seek to lift ourselves by our bootstraps. But it's a cruel jest to say to a bootless man that he ought to lift himself by his own bootstraps. And many Negroes by the thousands and millions have been left bootless as a result of all these years of oppression and as a result of a society that deliberately made his color a stigma and something worthless and degrading. And that, to me, crystallized Ooh. so much about who he was, right? And what we do here at True in, you know, finding the money and going after the billionaires. Martin Luther King was a very clear anti-capitalist. Very, very clear. Because to him, civil rights equaled anti-capitalism right as we as you just pointed out this was something that happened all across the country matter of fact some of you many of your families got their starts over land given to them right by the government that was not the case for fellow black citizens who were brought here involuntarily and forced to work without labor and when freed given nothing right all right you're free but good luck you got nothing figure out your own life right and as you see it's like compound interest anybody who understands that knows how that works right if i start saving today it doesn't matter if someone starts saving 10 years from now how much they save. They can never catch me because of compound interest. That's how it works. Same thing with this. We're talking about hundreds of years of oppression, and you're trying to break a cycle that is literally almost impossible to do so because there was no economic base given. So when we talk about King, 
Let's not think of this as some cuddly, soft teddy bear who is just out here. As Coach likes to say, puppy dogs and ice cream. Mm. All right. He may have liked puppy dogs and ice cream. But, you know, for what the work that he was wanting to do and what needs to be done now, this ain't about being soft. This is about telling hard and real truths. Yeah. Well, well stated. Uh, it, 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 only to add to everything you just said, uh, they also, the, the people that were emancipated, weren't given the same kind of educational opportunities and, and and then also even if they still found a way to make a living in the service industry let's say they weren't allowed to buy a home the single best way to Correct. say you know to build wealth is Correct. equity and property mm-hmm. they were literally legally not able to do so mm-hmm. so uh this is what he was trying to fight in the 60s that i mean certainly things i have many black friends who own their homes that's mm-hmm. progress they all went to colleges that's progress that we sadly today we still have a good portion of the country that thinks everything is hunky dory now. Racism doesn't exist. Black people are treated the same. Blah blah blah. Um, as I've you've heard me say this, so maybe I didn't say this when you were here. I don't remember if I said this on our pod even, but like I'm I'm at the point now where I want owners to say I'm picking up and moving out of this state unless y'all vote some sanity yep. back in here. Let's we there's plenty of blue states that big big cities. Uh, I don't have to be in Salt Lake City, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be here anymore. If y'all, if y'all, if y'all gonna be this crazy, and this racist and and misogynistic, we we can go elsewhere. I want big yeah. sports to start doing that. That's just how I feel. I, I, I would love it if sports would would, would take more of a, a role doing that, right? Um, but as we know, because of the work that Henry does, that we do here, yeah. right? There's no. often no, they're on the other side, that, right? Yeah. But, o- oftentimes. but speaking of Memphis, which is obviously <laughs> a, a tragic location of where he was. What 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 a segue. Yes. Uh, and by the way, if you ever in Memphis for a Grizzlies game, take yourself down to the Lorraine Motel and just, you know, look, you you will feel something when you're there. Yeah. It, it is. You're just like, wow, this is this is the thing. This is where it happened. Like it, it, there is a historic sense and a feeling and the town of Memphis, they feel it. Right. You you when you talk. Yeah, to they know. Yeah, there, yeah. Like, yeah. It is so woven into the fabric yeah. as it obviously would be. Of course, MLK Day is such a big day in the NBA as we transition. David mentioned yeah. Memphis. The Grizzlies will be playing the Suns on uh, MLK Day. And I believe the Memphis Grizzlies will consistently play on MLK Day mainly for that reason, right? Oh, um, because oh I'm, sh- they're, they're, I'm sure that's it. So yeah, important. I didn't even think about it as any other way. I yeah, I have games starting at 1 that I'm watching, and my last game tips at 1030. So I'll be, I'll be pulling a 12-hour <laughs> shift today. Watching you will games. be you'll be deep in the in the, in the basketball yeah. lens, which is you know listen that's that's what we do here, David. Look, no one is no one on this show who's listening to us is surprised by the fact that I want to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies. But look, they're really good. They <laughs> All right, they are. They're one of the top teams in the West. They're second, uh, a game behind or half game behind the Denver Nuggets. They are number two in adjusted net rating, thirteenth in adjusted offensive rating, and number one in adjusted defensive rating. Um, so just. As we do 30,000 foot view, when you watch Memphis, what do you like when you turn on the TV and watch them play? Can I start with John Morant? Uh, sure. <laughs> what I love about John Morant is uh, he he is so much about we, me, as opposed to me, we, or, or just me. You know, he, he gets these amazing dunks, which I barely even notice. I'm, I'm so desensitized to dunks, to be honest with you. That doesn't mean I don't react, but I typically don't react. I, I watched the game. He had the dunk against mm-hmm. Jalen Smith. And I uh, honestly, I went looked at my phone like <laughs> I, I, I was so surprised that all the time. it went viral. I'm like, 
<laughs> was it that incredible? Yeah, it was. I just, it didn't mean anything to me. But when he does it, he just stares at his bench. Like he, he lives to fire up his guys. So that's one thing I think about. They have a lot of athleticism. They really hustle. Like they play very, everyone plays hard in the NBA. There's another level for them. And they beat your ass in the paint. I think maybe in the last 15 games, they might be number one in points scored in the paint. That led by Ja. But, uh, you know, Steven Adams leads the world in highway screen buckets. He's creating nice little paved roads for his drivers. Mm-hmm. I don't think Bain's all the way back yet. He played the other night. He's, he's starting to get his rhythm back yeah. slowly. It's slowly starting to come back That's, for him. They're a, they're a, a significant team. Like, they're, we're not going to even do them contender-pretender because that's like Maybe asking, not. you know, is right. the sky blue on a nice day? Yeah, <laughs> yeah they are contenders. They, they have what it takes now to win it all. They, they aren't experienced in terms of winning series. Mm-hmm. They've won one with this mm-hmm. group. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean in the parity league that we have that they can't do it all, depending on who they play. Yeah. yeah. The, the other piece to that in their paint scoring is Jaron Jackson Jr. has become quite a little bit of a bully interior scorer himself. All right. He's, he's getting the ball on the ground and he's using that big old frame of his. And he's like, I'm kind of a big guy. I can probably get by people and muscle them up and get the ball in the hoop. And sometimes it's not as aesthetically beautiful as you would like to see. Whatever. But listen, if the ball goes in, I don't care. Don't <laughs> Neither do the Grizzlies. And what's he shooting from three? He's shooting 37% from three, uh, which I mentioned this on our call, as you know, in his second year in the league on six attempts per game, he shot 39% from three. Shout out to our good buddy, Kevin Arnovitz, because we had him on the pod right after uh, the Memphis series against the Warriors last year. And and he said to me, I am not a Jaron Jackson believer. I don't think that he is this three-point, but I think he is. <laughs> I think that, 30, that, that 39% three-point shooter, I think that's who he is as a shooter. And it's coming back. Yeah, that's the scary thing. Uh, I We talked about this last week, I think Henry and I did about how I mistakenly said he's the best prospect in the in the thing. And I, I, I'm probably never going to be really right. Luca, Maluka's going to MVP candidate for 10 straight years. But I was just naive to say what I said, thinking that if he's Tim Duncan 2.0, that's enough. It's not enough. It's enough for Memphis, though. Yeah, if they've got a three-point shooting Tim Duncan, yeah, they're, they're not. And, and Ja, like there is, they don't need a big three. They just need a team. They've right. got two real stars. Jared's going to be defensive player of the year. Like it's just as long as he stays healthy, big question mark. But if he stays healthy, I think he waltzes into that award. David, is it wrong of me to say that Jaron is as important to them defensively as Ja is to them offensively? Uh, maybe more important because they really identify as a defensive team. So uh, if you replace him with just an average center, uh, not good. They would, it would be a bigger drop than if they just replaced Shaw with an average offensive player and kept, and kept Triple J because of they beat number one in defense. Shaw's not really moving the needle a lot defensively. Um, he does mean a lot, don't get me wrong. He is their most valuable player because of, of all he means, that je ne sais quoi, you Frenchman mm. like to say. <laughs> There's just something about uh, when you walk on the court. I remember watching my high school teams play when we had this great player in Dimitri Hill. We would take the court. And I knew these boys since they were 14. Now they're 17, 18 years old, the seniors. And the, the swagger they had knowing that, oh, they got the big cat. Like, this motherfucker's scoring. We were talking to uh, Brittany the other day. She scored 1,000 points, and Henry made it mm-hmm. a big deal. It's mm-hmm. obviously not nothing. But my kid had 2,392 points in four years. That's, that's really – and everyone mm-hmm. was guarding him with seven guys. 
And so the swagger we had, I just remember seeing that's what a feeling that must be. Well, it's like walking into a playoff series, knowing who you have on the mound, like back, back in the day with doc and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. When you've got Ja, like, he's just that guy. We love to say that he's that guy. And you know, it's interesting, right? Because we were talking about this this morning and might be teasing something coming up about Memphis that we're working on. You know, that's a serious question, right? You said it. Yes, Jaws are MVP because of the Genesis Qua yeah. and the uh, right. But if you look at the tangible numbers and the advanced metrics, it says it's trip. Yeah. But here's the thing. And again, I don't. This is people feel like I, Atlanta fans are going to hate me. Like I'm always coming at this guy. But that is the yeah. marked difference between Jaw and Trey Young. Yeah. Jaws guys like are so excited when he does. It. They want it for him. It's not the same. It doesn't like, feel it, like the same with Trey. It just doesn't yeah. for whatever reason. I don't know why. Yeah, I've not, I've not talked to Hawks player, but I can, we've watched a lot of games. I don't feel that. And the thing about people like Jai is, and Trey, uh, and, and then I'll get to the difference in a minute, is uh, the great ones, Gerard, the real, the real blue chippers, they have you saying, oh, my God, how did they do that? All the time. LeBron still does that. Russell even still does that. Westbrook. Ja. How's you shaking your head? When Trey was killing it for the Hawks in the postseason, we we're like, wow, like when does this stop? Uh, the difference is, I think in Jaw's case, like you said, his guys believe he's gonna do it and are excited about it for him, not just for them. They're definitely who who would be excited if you're winning a playoff series, you make more money mm-hmm. and you get to the next round and you're maybe worth more in your next contract. But they're also excited for him. I don't feel that when I watch the Hawks. They might be cheering Trey when he's killing the Knicks because it means they're advancing. But are they really happy for Trey? Uh, I'm not. I think you're right. I'm not convinced that they are. And Ja just has someone asked me about that too. Like, who is the superstar? And I said, well, the superstar is someone that that moves you like a, like a work of art. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's one of those guys that really you he you have to pay to watch. I don't, I, and I wouldn't have to pay to watch him because I have media right. passes, but. Um, I understand why people would want it. He's really a show. Well, you say it all the time. You define leadership as breathing spirit yeah, into others. He does. There's a spirit that Ja breathes into, right? Yeah. And it just, that infects the team. And that's that, that's that, that's the genesis yeah. quote, right? All right, everything's not perfect in Memphis. Let me, let me also be real. What, when we watch Memphis, David, do we not like? Well, you tell me what you don't like. <laughs> Sometimes I feel the half-court offense can be too Yeah, the thir- they're 13th, right? Yes, thirteenth yeah. in offense. And look, yes, you need a bucket get in the postseason. I'd like to see a little bit more movement. Um, I'd like to see them do something a little bit more, a little bit more on, on the offensive end. Sometimes they can get a little stagnant and stuck. Now they can run out and rebound and do all the fun, great stuff because they're young and athletic. But I'd like to see their offense evolve. And I think Bain comes back as a running mate. That's good. Very we important. About, we talked about Jaron potentially getting his three point attempts up. To where it was his second season, if he shouldn't even thirty seven or thirty eight percent, that's thirty seven or thirty eight. It's above average, well above average of three point shooting. That's very good. So if he can do that, I just want to see the offense of a little more variety because I don't want it a situation where oh crap, Jaws having a bad night. What are we gonna do? You know, I want to see a little more. On the well, offense. they they lead they're you know they pound the paint, and so that's a nice hedge against uh, poor shooting in a game. But yeah, you would. I don't think they rank very highly in threes made and threes attempted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you you like that as an option for them? Uh, they don't. I don't think 
that they're as good as you'd expect, like in points off turnovers. They turned the ball over a good amount. I think they, I think they're bottom three or four in points allowed via turnover. Um, so those are things you can clean up. But they're young, and Taylor Jenkins, who I think is a very good coach, has talked about that. Um, they do. They've got some growing up to do. They, you, we talk about elasticity. They can get a lot better. They can get a yeah. lot. I don't. I don't think Boston. Boston's at their limit, which is fine. If you can play at that limit, yeah, <laughs> it, might, it might be a championship. Right. <laughs> but I think Memphis still has a long way to grow. Zaire Williams, I was very high on in the draft. Oh, yeah, he yeah. said he's had some nice moments. He has. Yeah, he's got a chance. Um, Taylor said this after the win against Indiana on Saturday. We're not playing perfect basketball. I'm just glad our guys are finding different ways to win, whether we're playing with a lead or playing from behind. Each game has presented a different challenge for us, and our guys have stayed the course. And when I watch them, that's what I'm seeing. Sometimes they come out. Like when they played Milwaukee, I'm gonna say right before the holidays, and they just smacked them. Yeah. Milwaukee again. They're like we're we're coming to play around. And then sometimes they play with their food a little bit, kick the ball around, and they're like, "Oh crap, we're down 15." And they wake up, and so they're 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 playing different ways, and they're but they want to win. You see it. The competitive level is there every night. Dylan Brooks has been phenomenal for them. He uh, has even been though, and defensively, he's Amazing. I mean he's gonna make an all defensive team. Yeah. Um, I, I you know it's. What they're doing is incredible. I do wonder, because they have the assets to do, and we talk about it regularly, do they, does uh, Zach Kleiman say, hmm, do we make a move here? And then what is the move? Is the move, let me ask you, OG Ananobi. If they get OG as their third guy, so it's Ja, Trip, Bane, and then OG's number four, does that work? Well, it works. He's better than the guys they have in that position. Um, I think I'll get back to OG. I think that you, you have to be very pragmatic. You don't have to do a deal. You're open for a deal. Yes. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to sacrifice too much of the future mm-hmm. for a better present, but I'm open to it. So, you know, mm-hmm. he, he can ask, you know, what, what, what can I get and how is that affecting me this year? Uh, we talked about three point shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice. OG would help that. It's it's yeah. So in OG's case, he, he, they're already the best defensive team. So you look at it from that point of view, how much better can he really get us defensively? Maybe, maybe, maybe significantly so. Um, whereas offensively, he's, okay, he's good. He's not a game changer. But I look at it as Zach's probably thinking about matchups. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be the one seed who's going to be the eight seed. We're going to be the two seed who's the seven seed and then the next round. And so I don't know who their best wing stopper is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't get to the rim on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, that means you got to be able to guard second box jumpers and those kind of things. OG helps with that. Uh, they're very reliant on Steven Adams still and two bigs, but mm-hmm. that's going to come at a price offensively. Yes. With a, that's going to come yep. at a cost offensively. Mm-hmm. So they need to make sure they're more, um, they can offer other lineups without Steven with Jaron at the five. And uh, I don't know what they could give Toronto unless Toronto is selling all their pieces. Yeah, Toronto's saying we're going to rebuild it on Scotty and Pascal. And they say, all right, give us picks and young guys. You give them Zaire. One of the, you give them what, Zaire and one of your, because they have two first round picks in 27, I want to say. So you give them one of those, yeah. right? And like Zaire, and you got to get salary to match OG. So it's probably Dylan Brooks too, who's on an expiring anyway. Right. Right, that's something um, right. they'll look at too. If they don't think they can resign him, mm-hmm. then it's smart to trade him. Because Dylan is their top wing stopper right now. Right now, he's just right. little. Right, he's so very good. That, very good, yeah. but just small. 
So in that potential, they're number one. Let's say Golden State's number eight. Draymond Green, if you hear him talk, likes that matchup. Ja, you may be good in the West, but I, the rest of your boys, I don't know. And when I when I think about Draymond, I think, of course, one of the great defenders of maybe the best ever, certainly best of this era, uh, along with Rudy Gobert, his smarts and his ability to, and it goes back to the Christmas game that I saw, to bait and get Jaron in foul trouble early, right? right? He stuck his hand out with the ball, caused Jaron to swipe. That's four. Sit him down, right? Like, if you're, if does that worry you? If you're Zach Kleiman, are, are we smart enough? Because I think we're good enough, talent wise. Are we smart enough to out execute them when it matters? Yeah, that's why I think he would go after some of the playoff experience. I'm sure, I'm sure he would. Um, and in that matchup, I mean, Golden State starters, they, they might have, I looked it up the other day, they might have the number one uh, uh, five man lineup. Still. Wow. They might Even have, now they, but the they just didn't play it because Wiggins was out for mm-hmm. so long and Curry was out. So they need bench help. Um, and, uh, but in the playoffs, you don't play the bench as much Correct. when you have that kind of offense. So honestly, it, today, if they would, if they were playing a series, we'd pick Memphis, but mm-hmm. if Golden State's healthy and they're still the eight seed or, or seven versus two in April, I don't know. Like it's, <laughs> it's, they, it's that I don't care so much about experience always. That kind of experience with that team has to count for something. And Ja is spectacular, but I think you make a really good point. Uh, smart matters. High IQ, experience, not being in a rush, dealing with 0-2 down and still got to come back. A, you know, Milwaukee winning after losing the first two in Phoenix mm-hmm. is a testament to just grizzled toughness, mm-hmm. good coaching. Mm-hmm. Let's just stay the course. Whereas Boston kind of freaked out, even up mm-hmm. 2-1, then in 2-2. Yeah. And lost the series, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, look, and, and Jaron's actually, he's been much better. His foul rate has gone down. Yeah, he he's has, gotten better you know, at it, yeah. Gotten a lot better at it. But it's a thing where, in a regular season game, if you get three quick fouls, all right, no one's going crazy because we'll probably win the game anyway. In a playoff game, you get three yeah. quick, and now we got problems. Yeah. Now we're down 0-1. Like that, we can't have that. So it's, can you execute in those moments? And then, you know, refs are human, right? They're like, oh, Ja, you probably, or trip. yeah, you probably fouled them, right? And it, yeah. it's, it's one of those things. Yeah. So, you know, it's something to watch. But anyway, I love what I'm seeing from Memphis. Um, we're going to stay in the West, Coach, because the top team, the Denver Nuggets, I have a feeling if you put Nikola Jokic, me, you, Henry, one, two, three, Travis, is that four? Nikola, no, Henry, more. you, me, Travis. That's five. Okay. Oh, Henry and Travis, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That'd be a competent offense, right? Just because of that dude. <laughs> like, I'm almost 50. You're like, ah! I'm almost, I'm almost 58. I've seen Henry's broken jumper. You're a swim coach. We're, we're, we're depending on Travis. I don't, I don't like our chances. You're like, I don't know. But I understand your point. He, he is really breathtaking to watch offensively. It's Mozart. Oh, He's such a great passer. But I know you're concerned about something else. Well, coach, they are number two in adjusted offensive rating, something like that. Um, 25th in adjusted defensive rating. When does the return on offense and the return on defense, when, when does the, the poor defensive end for Nikola Jokic negate how brilliant he is offensively? And I think it's in specific matchups, right? Like we saw them, now granted, Jamal Murray was out, Michael Porter Jr. was out. We, we know that. But I have a feeling that if the Nuggets are the one seed and Golden State's eight or two seven, Golden State will love this matchup too because you know what they're going to do? As much Shoot as they out. do a lot of their egalitarian offense and off-ball cutting and moving, they're going to go, 
ah, Nikola Jokic, let's get him in high pick and roll on Steph Curry every time. And that's usually going to result in good things for, for the, for the Warriors. Yeah. I don't, honestly, I don't know. I don't know the best strategy for, for Denver, but I don't, I'm not their head coach. Mike Malone's <laughs> got to figure it out. Like wh- how, Oh, Michael Malone. Don't let him hear you call You're him. Right. Yeah. He, I, I am. I'm with him. Uh, I had friends who call me Dave and my brother, Mike, Mike growing up, my mom would say, we named them David and Michael. And I'm a big believer in you call someone with their so mom. You know. Yeah. So Michael Malone, uh, he's got to figure it out. There's, there's lots of ways to do it. You got to find something that works and you have all season to make that happen. And then you have to make sure you're preparing for contingencies in the, in the postseason. Uh, what is Jokic at this year? In defensive EPM. He's okay in defensive EPM, but that's when I look at the stat and I go, I mean, it's a little bit wonky. He's plus 0.7. So he's like, he's basically a net neutral, yeah. right? Like he doesn't He was better last defense. year, wasn't he? A little bit better last year. He was plus one maybe last yeah. year. Um, but again, I, that's when who's the stat hurt him? wonky Who, to but me. Who's going to hurt him in the West? The old, small guards, right? So John Morant gets him out on the switch, right? But that won't happen until the conference and they, finals. Yeah, and they won't and they won't switch with him. They'll they'll, they'll stay off him a little they'll, bit. Okay, yeah. they'll spam. Um, I think I think I don't think he. The only problem with him is he's not going to rim protect. Right, but, he doesn't. Rim but rim you could protect. be a space eater and a paint protector. I I to me the paint protector are the Marcus Sauls of the world. Mm, just uh, a big body. Right, Lopez is both. Brooke is yeah. a paint and rim protector. <laughs> Steven Adams is a, kind of just a big strong guy, but. Not really protecting much of anything. Um, I, I think I think Denver. I think their guard play and their wing play. They they need they need to upgrade those guys. Be, get getting beat at the point of attack. If you watch the Lakers play, they mm-hmm. so few on ball defenders that are worth anything. And, and LeBron isn't one of them anymore either. He's not guarding anyone. Uh, he's always guarding the worst. He's typically guarding the worst player on the other side. And it's just a, if people get free runs the rim like it's Utah with Gobert in the playoffs against the Clippers. No, mm-hmm. Denver can't do anything with that. So, um, uh, but you got to scheme some stuff up and maybe make a deal. Aaron Gordon, I think probably is one of their better ones. I don't think he's doing yeah. metrically so good this year either, but he's been Bruce good in the Brown, past. Bruce Brown's a good yeah. defender. Yeah, yeah. At the point of yeah, attack. Yeah, the guards are the issue. Yeah, it's Murray and they're going to play Bones Highland, right? Bones, and yeah. Bones, although maybe in, this, in, the post, in the postseason, they won't play right. Bones a ton because they're like, look, you're getting roasted out right. here. Um, on defense, so that's just something that bears watching. I know for you, that makes them not that we. I think we did this team on our contender pretender. That makes them not a contender I, for you because you're like I. They can't guard anybody. I'm very worried about that. If if uh, if they can't get it figured out by March, let's give it some time. Let's see what they do in the trades, and um, let's just see if uh, they start inching their way up a little bit. You know, you'd like to see them top fifteen by the end of the season which means they're probably top 10, top eight the last couple of months, which means they figured it out. No, absolutely. Um, speaking of big man, we're going to talk about defense and stay here. Uh, in my backyard here, well, not here, but look across the bridge in Brooklyn, um, a big part of the Nets turnaround was their defensive side of the ball. Um, we know that they have Ben Simmons. We know KD is a very good engaged defender. Nick Claxton, however, metrically, um, is grading out as their best defender. And, what I'm seeing, David, is he – the tools and the flashes were always there from the moment they drafted him. Um, yeah, he's a one crazy the, athlete. Oh, my God. So athletic. And one of the things I loved when I watched him is, oh, my God. And I think it was his rookie year I saw it. He can literally switch one through five. Like, I see it. 
right? He's got the foot speed and the lateral quickness. He can, right? And then even if a guy gets by, he's got his long arms that he can stretch out and, 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 and swat, right? But consistency, right? And as someone who does player development, that's probably the hardest thing for a young player, right? Is how do I do this every single night? And for some people, clicks early. For some, you know, they, they need reps. It's got to over. And the problem is for most coaches, they don't let you get reps because you keep screwing up and they take you out because when they're mad, you're, you're causing us, you're leaking. We're losing games and you're causing us to leak. Nick had a full off season this summer. He got bigger. I remember in training camp, we were all like, Nick, how much muscle did you put on? He's like, like somewhere between eight and 10. I want to say exactly how much I'm still working on it. I mean, he's a body type. He's never going to be Joel Embiid in terms of thickness, but he, he, he put some more on. And I'm seeing his commitment and willingness on that end of the floor to be the guy. He's barking out orders on who's supposed to switch, That's a where, big who's, deal. Going, who's doing what. Look, nobody's Draymond in that regard. Right. Draymond's the best of the best. Right. But if you can start taking some of that, that's huge. I just love what I'm seeing from him. Um, and and I want to. And yeah, he's he right now, he is an all defensive first team. And you know, I love trip. It's but it's either Trip or him right now. Hey, Brooke Lopez for defensive player of the year. But as a coach, what are you seeing? Well, as an analyst, I'm not sure he is first team. You just mentioned the other two guys. Well, I, I'm going no positions. I, I don't. Yeah, oh, oh, that's that part is true. Yeah. If you don't do it by position, yeah. he's one of the best five defenders in the league right yeah. now. I don't know who gets first. It's pretty. I mean, Trip uh, is unbelievable. Yeah. Brooke Lopez, yes, unbelievable. I know. Um, but so is this guy. So and so is Bam, and uh, yeah, Bam Bam's is credible too. Um, just in a different way. Uh, so first of all, his 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 quick twitch talent, like wow, just so it, it's almost like I I talked about a kid that I helped last summer, sometimes to Quavion Smith. He went back to college at NC State. He's going to probably be a top twenty pick this year. He's 6'2", but there's lightning bolts in those legs. It's unbelievable <laughs> how fast and quick and how well he jumps. Claxton's the same way, but he's 6'11". It's, un- <laughs> it's incredible, incredible what he does. Um, i tell you what his best thing is. And I don't know if anyone's written about it, because I haven't read a lot about him, but I don't hear them talk about it much. Do you know what makes him so good on offense when you factor in his athleticism? What? It's his hands. Yeah, he's got good hands. Oh, my God. Like the, he's making plays that are not easy to make. We're just yeah, catching, catching the ball. shoestring balls. Holy yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, it's when, when I did, I had a scouting report one year. I don't know if I ever told you this before. My, it was just my wife and I, no kids. My wife said to me, like, you're on the phone every night, all night with college coaches who are picking your brain as to who to recruit in the state of Florida. You know how to write. I was a writer when I met her. Uh, why don't you put out a scouting report? Like, ooh, I know. <laughs> Good idea. So I did. Sunshine State Hoop Report. I think we had 75 subscribers. I brought my got my brother Rick to do it with me. We traveled the state, riding ship, and I had an eight category system. And one of my eight categories was hands. Because it's so important, I thought, no matter what your position is. Guys that just catch the ball more, a lot of good things can happen. It's not easy to do. He would have, I think I did it. God damn, I don't remember anymore. I think <laughs> I did uh 10. Like, he'd be a 10 for hands. At least what I've seen on tape. Maybe I'm wrong. Zebo would be, like, the epitome. Like, Zebo was catching yeah, your passes. Yeah. Her, her mm-hmm. pa- it didn't matter. It didn't matter where it was. He was getting it. He looks like he's got vacuum suction cups in his hands. And so, because he's so athletic, he can make plays all over the place there. He kind of knows his role, too. And your point about talking, and he's not Draymond, and you said no one's like Draymond. Well, KG was. 
Those were the generals. Mm-hmm. But I was just talking. I have a couple of players playing early today. I said, I need to hear you on TV. Be that loud where I can hear your voice on TV. There's not playoff atmosphere. It's, you know, it's a Monday. Um, I, he, you, you can see him visibly mm-hmm. quarterbacking what's going on. And, uh, I mean, imagine how you would feel when you're doing this on a team with KD to a lesser mm-hmm. extent, Kyrie. What a great mm-hmm. feeling. You're making impact on KD's team. Mm-hmm. I think that fills him with confidence, which is a big no part doubt. of this. No doubt. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing to see. He, I want to say it was so that the year that Harden came on the team, um, that first year, and they obviously moved his way out this, uh, halfway through the second year. When they were in Miami, you know, James Harden likes to party and do his thing. Uh, Nick Claxton was out with him one night, and I think whatever, either didn't something happen the next day, and then he got suspended for, you know, basically not following team rules. He's matured so much since then, and I think he understands the the professionalism necessary to be who it is he wants to be. Um, and when they made him the starter this year in the tra- in training camp, it was also like, oh, I have, to your point, I have a responsibility on this team. Like, I, I can't let these guys down. I can't let that dude down, right? I want people and, and, and my guys. And I think you're seeing that with him. I mean, he's still young. Is he 24? I mean, he's guys. Yeah, he's 24. Babies. He, so babies. Uh, for people who don't watch us and just listen to us, I may not sound like an old man. Anyone that watches would know um, every bit, almost 58 now. Um, I coached against his dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he played at Miami Carroll City, I believe. And he's not from Miami. It, it, the dad went to Georgia, which is where Nick went, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but his dad was a Miami guy at a time when Miami, this one, Udonis was, he was there a few years later. Uh, it is a tough, tough place. It's my, one of my favorite cities of basketball. D.C., people love New York. Uh, there's some hot spots. Miami basketball is unbelievable. And there's a toughness about him that I think is from the Miami side. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, I'm just telling you, they were the toughest teams back when I was coaching. <laughs> and um, he's got that, like, there is a raw power to him. And I mean that in the best way. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, but he ain't suffering fools. No, he um, leads the league, David. I want to say in uh, among starters in field goal rate in the paint um, for offense. Yeah. Oh, he's finished like seventy-seven percent. It's yeah, crazy. He's dun- he's dunking everything. Well, mean- that's what's funny. You sent me a, a link from a trainer, and mm-hmm. as someone who literally started those, that, that, well, that whole, I, I wanted to right. know what you thought. So, yeah. uh, I, I think early in my career, I would do so those interviews. I don't tend to do them much now about players I help. I like to keep it private. I don't mind that he did it at all. But my man was talking about the work they put on in free throws. <laughs> well, that ain't that ain't. I, I think he should, and, and it's not the coach's fault. I, I could never get Corey Brewer to be a great three point shooter, except for the one year he really committed to doing it. After that, it just wasn't as important to him. I didn't see him as often, and so I could never really get him consistent. So I, I thought the trainer's fault, but he really can't do much other than finish right at the rim, which is fine. Yeah, it's going to work just fine. Uh, the free throws is an issue. And come playoffs, how do you play a guy? No one's going to guard him. They're going to just hang in the paint, which is where he wants to be anyway. And uh, and then they're going to potentially foul him in big parts. And he's forty six percent 
No, that's not. That's good. a real concern. It's one of the worst in the league. It's not the worst. So yeah. that's a real concern. But there's still time. It's a great story. He's young. Yeah. That's a good reminder. He's been a good defensive player his whole career. His offense mm-hmm. now has exploded. Having mm-hmm. KD and Kyrie will help. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a he's definitely a force to be reckoned with, but he's got to get the free throws at least a little better. Lineups with him and Simmons on the floor are not as bad as everyone thinks. Now, they're actually quite good in the regular right. season. Come postseason, when teams go, oh, wait a minute, we have two non-shooters and two yeah, terrible free throw shooters? Yeah, we're just hanging the paint. Oh, we be got a, no problem with this. That'll be a bit so of a Jacques, problem. And I'm sure, Sean, they're thinking about yeah, this yeah. right now, being like, okay, who are we trying to get in here to figure out this situation? Because we can't have this. But anyway, uh, I think Claxton's development's been a great story. Um, let's take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back to talk about one of the surprise stories in the league. This episode of True Hoop is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey, guys. Gerard from True Hoop here. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do? It's a hell of a question. Would you maybe go for a run, take a nap, read a book? maybe show up for a friend. Now, depending on the day, any one of those would be a great idea. Most of us spend our lives wishing we had more time, but the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Now, I've been open in the past with you guys about this. I see a personal therapist as well as a couple therapists for my partner and I. And both are extremely helpful in developing positive coping skills and learning how to set boundaries. Therapy empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TrueHoop today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TrueHoop. All right, we are back. David, what's going on with the Oklahoma City Thunder? Why are they a competent basketball team? Oh, so the second part of that question, I can answer it better <laughs> than the first part. Um, I'm supposed to be a smart basketball mind. I, right. I, I, I don't always know answers, and I'm, I try to be honest. I have no idea. I have no fucking idea. I'm going to know. They are they are one of my two focuses for this week. That how is OKC winning all these games? How are they two games below 500? Two games below 500, yeah. and it's not like and they, first of all they hung 150 points on Boston a couple weeks ago. Like that, then offensively they're not great. They're like 17. David, they got a guard. They're 11th in defense. They, yeah. So when you talk about the, the second part of that question, um, they're terrible. Uh, I think they give up more offensive rebound points than anyone, second chest points. That's about the only thing they're bad at. That's pretty impressive. Uh, they've been shooting better of late, which is really helping their, their current, uh, uh, not just win streak, but the trend that they're on. Um, I think their coach does a great job of yeah, getting guys to execute so. with purpose mm-hmm. and passion. They play really hard. They, they have an amazing player in Shea, fully arrived, mm-hmm. fully realized star. And Shea Gildas Alexander, Josh Giddy is coming. Great offensive player, bad on defense, but not horribly bad. And uh, Lou Dort, solid two-way player. Uh, Baisley, solid player. They have a lot of solid with some upside. Yeah. Uh, that's They're a really intriguing team. And again, I'm going to write about them this week probably, where they've got the young players and the draft picks 
to go get someone. For example, I'm just making this up. If the Raptors don't fire Nick Nurse or fire Nick Nurse and say, you know what, we're going to just try to collect a ton of young players to build around Scotty, not Pascal, I mean, OKC can offer them a lot for Siakam. And, true. and now Siakam and Shea Gilgis together. Ooh, Hello. Yeah. That's that's a, that's, nice I, I'm not talking. suggesting that would happen. There's other guys that they could probably go after. They would be able to go after others. And do something similar. Maybe Chicago wants to start over and Zach Levine's for sale. DeRozan's for sale. So they, they have the assets to get anyone they want. It's just a matter of when they would do it. And so I don't think they're rushing to do it. But uh, Sam Presti's smart, sober, rational. Like, he'll, he's got a plan. And remember, this is they haven't even seen Chet play yet. So who, who knows how good he's going to be. You add Chet to the mix. Like this yeah. Is, yeah, Chet and all these it, other picks they have. Yeah, I mean, that, oh my God, it's like them and like uh, Houston have like every pick for the next like you know six drafts. Yeah. So it, it's going to be interesting. That's something something that that, that bears watching. Um, do a couple rapid fire things. Um, look, the Bucks were your preseason pick to go to go to the finals. A lot of people's preseason pick defensively, they're still amazing, top three defense uh, in the league. Yeah, my thing with them is, I think you'll agree. They need Chris offense. Middleton back for the for the for the playoffs. Yeah. If they don't have Middleton, I just don't know where they're going to consistently generate clutch offensive buckets in the half court. You know, because I think we know these we know the story on Giannis, right? As great as he is, make him shoot jumpers. If he if he's going to hit jumpers, we're well, going to lose anyway, right? So, but that's the thing. And can Drew be consistent enough with all the responsibility you put on him defensively? Right? It's 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 a lot. So I worry about their offense. Yeah, you should. Defensively, though, they're really amazing. I was watching them on tape this morning. They have so many uh, upper-level to, to elite defensive players with Lopez and Giannis at the rim. Drew and, and George Hill on the perimeter. Uh, Connaughton's a very good defensive player. They don't really have any weaknesses. Grayson Allen's fine. Not great, but good. Solid. Um, Drew's taking more threes and shooting them pretty well. I've seen, I've seen him take... I, I was watching tape on him this morning, and I thought, man, he's taking some quick threes. And I looked it up. Yeah, he... This is career high for him per 36 threes attempted. So clearly there's a, something going on there. Um, they need Chris back. And uh, if he can come, and it's a big if, he's been out for a long time now. If he can come back and be close to what he was, um, I think they have a real shot to, I don't favor them in the East anymore, but um, I like Philly better actually. But uh, I, I, would not, I would not say they have no shot. They do have a shot. Of course. Well, since you brought him up, you are high on Philly. Henry's like, nope, I'm off Philly. But look, they're quietly 27 and 16, top 10 offense, top 10 defense. Uh, you know, James Harden's looking like, okay, I can do this. I mean, Joel Embiid's a monster, obviously. <laughs> so that, that's joke. always good. <laughs> that's always good. Uh, they may have some things figured out. Yeah, I think they do. Um, they might. They were my pick to win the regular season. That's not going to happen because I think Boston's going to get that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, obviously, with 41 games left, but they they have a big lead. But um, Joel Embiid, I think, is not trying right now, and th- mm-hmm. that's not headline grabbing. That's smart because this Joel Embiid at 80 percent is better than all but Jokic in the league as a center. Mm-hmm. He is extraordinary. Just does whatever he wants to do, and I think he's saving something. I think he's made the smart. decision. Uh, I need a little more in the postseason, and yeah, it's smart. And uh, and Harden 
is he had a bad game two games ago against OKC. I think he had seven turnovers, but he's looking pretty damn good. Shooting well, organizing well, knows his role. Um, T. Anthony Melton was a great kid. Oh, Daryl Warren says that. We, 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 we miss him in, in Memphis. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, I think he is missing Memphis. Um, Maxie's coming back. George mm-hmm. Niang finished the game yesterday. Niang had a huge three against the Lakers. And then he and Embiid made a big-time stop at the rim against Russell. Like, they have no bad players. They all know what they're doing. Yeah. And uh, with Harden and Embiid, it's – and Doc is doing fine. He's survived. I thought he'd be fired for sure. And now they're 11 games above 500. They're top 10 in both, as you said. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a team to be reckoned with, I think. Well, this is what we always say, right, David? Like, we don't overreact to the first 15 games. Like, let's see where we are at the halfway point, yeah. right? We use Boston as an example last year. Boston was sub-500 in December, then went gangbusters yeah, in January, reason, yeah. right? Like, it's just, this is how this league works, right? It's going to be ups and downs, peaks and valleys. How do you manage it? Um, all right. I'm going to wrap up before we get out of here. Look at this. So heard you guys made this thing. We're going to try to keep the podcast under an hour. Look at that. My first day back, we're going to be under an hour. See? This is just, you know, needed the quarterback back. <laughs> All right. Contender, pretender. Uh, you go. Who do you got for me? I would never have thought about this before, but okay. given what's happened, what are the Phoenix Suns? Two games below 500. David, they're pretenders. I think so, too. I just, like, look, we said it ad nauseum. That Monty Williams, DeAndre Ayton situation and didn't fix itself. I don't care they gave him the money, whatever. It's not fixed. Something's going on there. The Jay Crowder situation, weird. Chris Paul, one of my favorite players of all time, the point god. Look, man, 38, yeah. looks like he fell off a cliff. Yeah. And if Devin Booker is always going to be hurt, you have no chance. Yeah, well, that's for sure. Right. Uh, the Crowder thing is the only variable that would make us possibly consider them a, a contender. Uh, they've got to get, they've got to get something back and yeah, yeah, yeah. they've got to get something. He ain't coming back. I don't think, but no. they got to get, they got to get a good player and we'll talk. But yeah, well, we always thought Paul would fall off a cliff. We just thought it happened four years ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he's actually, he's, what's he, what's he in EPM right now? Oh my God. I don't even want to. <laughs> Poor Chris. Sorry, Chris. This is not personal. We're just looking no, at No, no, no. We've raved about uh, it for years. I mean, he's still, still 2.9, which is still 91st percentile. Yeah. Which, so he's still good. He's just not elite. Yeah. And I think he's amazing, but right. they, need, need, they need more. Yes, yeah, they, they need, need more. They need more bench help, too. Uh, uh, I think there are pretenders. Yeah. More I got one for you. Right. A team in the East, a fellow team that is top 10 in both offense and defense. Surprisingly, I didn't realize it. You know, their record doesn't indicate it, but they're they're above 500. The New York Knicks. That was going to be the one I asked you. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think they'll, they're a contender to win a round in the playoffs, unlikely to win two. I think they're a little bit solvable offensively. I think they lack some athleticism defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, they're rough, tumble, physical, just what they you are. think Tom Thibodeau's team would be. Um, I just think they're going to run out of bullets, but yeah. they're, they're trending in the right direction. Um, uh, yeah, I almost asked you about the Knicks and the Kings, who are fourth in the West and have a great the, fucking offense. Kings, I think, well, I'll do them right now. Kings, contender to win a round, I think. I think they can potentially yeah, win a round. Or at least make a, make a first round more spicy than you want it to be. More than one round, I just, they're not ready. Because right. they, they, can't, they can't guard well enough. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. yeah. We're, we're on the same page. 
Look at that. See, great basketball minds think alike. All right, folks. Make sure you enjoy all the games uh, this week for sure. Uh, when you hear this, the MLK games. And we'll be back this week. Until next time, take care.